rocklandworldradio.com. All right, hey, this is Jake Jacobs, and welcome to another edition of New York Update. We're online at nyupdate.org. Today, um, I wanted to do some catch-up and go over some events that we covered in the city. Um, And we did get some interesting information from Senator Robert Jackson about the school funding issue. That was on Friday. And then on Saturday, there was an even bigger event that was very well attended with Robert Jackson, Senator Jessica Ramos, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who made the whole thing into, into a standing room only mob scene. But um, State Senator John Liu was there as well. There was a lot of different uh, topics. So we're going to put that on hold until next week because we have a special guest today. And we're going to talk a little bit of Rockland politics, but we're also hopefully going to talk a little New York State politics. With us here today is Nicole Dolan which is D-O-L-I-N-E-R. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. And so uh, Rockland County, where we are, is uh, composed of five towns. Clarkstown is one of the five towns. And uh, town supervisor, can you explain for the uninitiated, which includes me, what does a town supervisor do? Good question. Each town in, uh, as you mentioned, there are five towns in the in the county of Rockland. Each town has uh, its own governmental components. And the town supervisor, as the title states, is supervising those functions of government. It's kind of like they are the CEO, if you will. They're the chief executive officer, or they're the director, Mm -hmm. or they are really in charge of kind of making all the pieces come together and work. Now, in the town of Clarkstown, we have various departments. We have a police department, we have a parks and recreation department, and then we have a sewer department, mm-hmm. or, uh, which feeds into part of the county. Right. Uh, and then we have you know various departments like uh, the clerk's office, which is responsible for not only keeping all the records, but that's the place where people go to pay their taxes mm-hmm. or get a dog license or a marriage license. Uh, so there's all kinds of town services mm-hmm. that residents of the town of Clarkstown uh, pay for with their taxes, whether it be the collection of their garbage, uh, the fact that we have parks and swimming pools that residents use, the fact that we also have a highway department that takes care of all of the town roads. So there's a whole right. so there's lot a, a of por- different uh, functions. Right. There's a whole portfolio of things. Um, Correct. And there's also a town council. Yes. And so the supervisor, does the supervisor preside over the town council when there are hearings and when there's votes? Yes. So, okay. the, the, yeah. so the town supervisor is uh, when you think of like the Speaker of the House or right. you think of the uh, Speaker of the Assembly or you f- think of or even in you know whether it's Congress or even state government yeah so the town supervisor presides over the council but the town supervisor has one vote and each of the in Clarkstown we have four town council people so each of those council people also has a vote so there's five votes a total of five. so the town council, if you will, is the appropriating branch of government, mm-hmm. if you will, on the town level. The so they're going to decide how the money is going to be spent. They're going to vote, for example, on a budget every year. So I believe what happens is the town supervisor working with the controller, they put together a proposed budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have they have 
budget hearings open to the public, and then ultimately the entire council, the four council people and the supervisor will vote for or against that budget. And the supervisor has one vote and the council people each have one vote. So the supervisor may be kind of steering the boat, so to speak, you know, but each of those members have equal say in how well, the government's going to operate. So if, if people are trying to compare this to Congress, you know, where the Speaker of the House or the uh, Majority Leader in the Senate, they have almost like supreme power over what actually comes up for a vote. So how does that work in, in the town of Clarkstown? Can any member of the council put on an order of business up for a vote? Or can anybody like from the floor, just attend, like a citizen just attending, uh, raise their hand and make a motion for a vote on something? Or is this controlled the same way as, as we understand Congress, where there's really like a, a very powerful entity at the top? Uh, well, that's a very good question, Jake. And I think that would depend on who the supervisor is. And I think if we go back to the history of Clarkstown and look at some of our past supervisors, maybe there were some supervisors who did, you know, rule with an iron fist, as they say, and maybe there were some supervisors who wanted to work more collaboratively, you know, with their council people. That would be my way of doing things. You mean democracy? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I'll, just to give you an example, I mean, you re- recall when I was the chair of the Clarkstown Democratic Committee. Right. My way of chairing that committee was to do things in a collaborative nature. I did not tell people what they should or shouldn't do. I was always looking for new ideas from, let's say, new ideas from the floor, new ideas from committee members. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of different committees. We had a platform committee. We had a bylaws committee. I wanted to look to spread that responsibility throughout the committee and come together because I felt that would make us stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, I also felt that I would lead by example, by I wouldn't ask anyone to do work that I wouldn't do myself. Right. And so I think that makes for a stronger committee. And I think on a, on a, when you bring that to a town board, I'd like to bring that same concept. And, and I would feel that I would want to work with my council people because we're, we all have equal votes. And, and people who decide, who step up to the plate and want to run for office because they want to serve their town, I, I think it's a very noble thing to do. And I think that people want to do the right thing. So I would want to work with them. Okay. And so uh, there's no primary, right? This is just going to be straight into the November of general election? Uh, Well, it appears that way. Now, um, as you know, as I said, said, I just came from collecting petitions. Uh, New York State election law says that in order to run on a particular line, and in my case, I'm a Democrat, I'm going to be running on the Democratic line, I need to get a certain number of signatures from registered Democrats within the town of Clarkstown, right? And then that will secure my place on the ballot. And then once I do that, once I've turned in these these signatures and I have enough and the Board of Elections certifies that I have what it takes I have the required amount, I will be on the ballot in November. Now, that doesn't prevent somebody else who could be out there right now collecting signatures as well Oh. as a Democrat to be on the ballot. I don't believe there is going to be a primary for supervisor 
or for any of the council seats. Oh, okay. So but you know, I I, I would well, we be would know by I now. would be incorrect to say that no, there's nobody out there. Right. Because you know, it's a democracy. So anybody who decides they want to run for office, they could go and they could get the seven hundred you know, we, yeah. at this point, we're looking to get about 700 signatures. Anybody could go out and get those signatures. Now, are yeah, they we haven't that? heard of anybody. No, we haven't. Okay. We haven't. Assuming the petitioning goes as planned, uh, it'll be yourself against the incumbent is George Holman. Yes. Right. The Clarkstown town supervisor. Um, and I know he's been there. I know he's there now. Uh, he's been uh, in that position for multiple terms for this. Well, he's now completing his second term. Okay. Town supervisor has a term of two years. Right. So Mr. Holman was first elected four years ago, so he's served right. one term, and then he ran for re-election two years ago. So this would be his third term. He's running for his this third term. Third term, and yes. He, yes, he's a Republican. Yes. And they have to go through the same process, uh, yes. going around getting petitions. Yes. Um, we spoke about the petition season being moved way the heck up yes. this year. <laughs> It's very, very hard. Very challenging. You know, I also try to collect petitions. Um, It's been very hard for me as a school teacher. You know, I usually do it in the summer. Right. Um, um, And so, you know, that hasn't been possible. The weather. I mean, I got a lot of excuses. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, too. It is. And and they did reduce the number of signatures necessary because of this, but it's still going to be. And we'll know the petitioning uh, ends in about two weeks. Then the, and then the Board of Elections will be processing it and certifying it. So we'll know pretty shortly, and then we'll have our candidates and we'll have our lineups, um, and then it'll, we'll go campaigning all the way till November. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be an off year, uh, so it's going to be you know really important for people to drive interest and drive enthusiasm this year. At the top of the ticket, it's a district attorney. Yes. Is, is that's going to be the very like the biggest race. Well, that's th- now there. There is a primary because we know that there are five people yeah. that are vying for the Democratic. We spoke about the race. We're going to we're going to keep our eye on that. You know. Also, we'll see like uh, if everybody makes the cut for petitioning in that race. But yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be an off year, and this is where you want your blue wave to really operate because it's all of these town positions and these county positions and it's all these like non-sexy positions that the average person doesn't even know about. I mean, I'm still learning myself and I'm not embarrassed to say that, you know, when I don't know something because I want to learn, you know, and this has been a, a long process for me getting uh, getting aware and seeing how things work because every year when I get into that into that voting booth I see names and I don't know who they are and I just feel like I didn't do a good job of doing my homework you know because I have a radio show I'm trying to tell people you know who's running and what the issues are so it's frustrating um a lot of it is by design you know they don't want the average person to be too involved some parties and some candidates like low turnout you know it helps incumbents and it helps you know establishment candidates but you know we're in a new time now and you're part of kind of uh, i would say a movement of people that are getting more involved you know you're somebody that has been involved in party politics 
but you know to run for office and to you know put yourself out there to go against an incumbent Republican you know it, it's a big thing so why don't we get into a little bit about your um, unique background right which to me sounds like you're perfectly suited for this particular job so what's your uh, background and expertise that would be you know one of your big selling points here for your, for this race like you said, I've been involved in local politics for, for many years now, so I, I know the lay of the land. But I have to think back to, you know, what motivates someone to get up one day and say, oh, I'm going to run for office, you know, I'm going to put myself out there. I think, I, you know, I could go back to, uh, you know, I started out, I graduated from college and I went into the Peace Corps. I served as a, as a United States Peace Corps volunteer in Kenya as a teacher. Uh, very challenging uh, to pick yourself up and move to a completely different culture, uh, away from your all of your creature comforts. Yeah, but, my, my wife was in Botswana. Right. Yeah. And but I will tell you that I absolutely loved it, uh, and that I got way more out of it than I gave. I mean, that's that's the really magical thing about it is that you you come away from that experience a changed person. And, and so for me, you know, coming back to the United States and saying, okay, now what am I going to do? And, you know, throughout my life, I, I, I've been in the public sector. I mean, I spent a short period of time working on Wall Street when I first came back just because I needed to get a job and kind of get myself reestablished. But um, I landed at the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation. And I was hired as a budget analyst, uh, even though that was not my uh, educational background. Um, I, I studied English and political mm -hmm. science and education. I was actually studied to be an English teacher, but I was given an opportunity to work for the Parks Department as a budget analyst, learning it by doing it, being like kind of just thrown into the fire, so to speak. And uh, and I and I loved it. And I was at the Parks Department for close to ten years wow. uh, in the budget office. And then I uh, took some time off to have children and do the mommy thing. Uh, when we moved to Rockland, I knew that I, I needed to be involved. I had to. I had to. My calling was still there to be involved with the community and be involved with issues. And quite frankly, what got me, you know, off the couch, so to speak was when the town of Clarkstown was looking to uh, give approval to the Palisades Mall to become even bigger than their original intent. They were looking for the expansion. And that's what caught my, yeah. you know, Higher. my radar. Uh -huh. And uh, I started going to town board meetings and I started going to planning board meetings and I was sitting there taking notes like who's who and uh, who are all these characters, you know. And I have to tell you, I... It was like I got hooked. It's like I got to come back next week. I got to see what's happening. It's like yeah. when you get hooked on a on a TV show, you know, like you <laughs> want to see how, who all these characters are and how they're gonna play out. And and then I I came to realize that oh, I needed to get involved in the Clarkstown Democratic Party, you know. And at the time, uh, you know, I think there were a lot of elected officials who were Democrats who were supporting them all. And I thought, oh, gee, you know, I'm going into the Democratic Party, and they're they're not really agreeing with with the whole reason why I decided to become involved. But I, that didn't deter me, uh, and I and I became a committee person, and you know, started doing petitions and learning how to, you know, and I had actually had some experience doing that because my parents were always very involved in politics, so I kind of knew 
the road of getting petitions signed and how that whole process works. But uh, I got more involved in the party and I eventually became like secretary and then I moved up and I became, you know, the associate chair and finally the chair. And, uh, you know, my goal was really to make changes from within. I felt that the Democratic Mm -hmm. Party needed to, to change. And it needed some younger people, fresh blood, you know, and I was going to say I was one of those younger people back then. (laughs) Now I'm one of the older people. But um, and so between, uh, you know, uh, my political experience, my work experience, I was then given an opportunity 16 years ago to work for the Rockland County Legislature as their fiscal analyst. The late Ken Zabrowski, big Ken, you know, knew me, had gotten to know me through through the party and knew what my background was in terms of municipal finance and said, gee, you know, we have an opening. Would you like to come and be the fiscal analyst for the legislature? And I thought, oh, great. You know, like really sink my teeth into it. And, you know, I came in and just because of uh, my determination, I, you know, there was nobody there to teach me the ropes of what they were doing in the past. Quite frankly, I don't know what they were doing in the past. My attitude was, if I were a legislator, what would I want to know? The legislature in Rockland County is the appropriating branch of government. 90% of what they're doing is has to do with the budget, has to do with how the money is being spent. And so I do everything from budget projections to revenue projections to analyzing all of the grants that come in. Because, you know, they're part-time legislators. They have to vote on this. Right. So they, you know, you want to be able to give them what the information is. And, you know, uh, it's very interesting. I remember I remember Ken saying years ago, uh, you know, he was very wise, we can disagree on how we're going to spend the money. All right? Democrats, Republicans, they have philosophical right. differences. But we, we shouldn't be disagreeing on how much money is there. Right. All right? So... What I try to do when I'm looking at legislation that's coming in, resolutions and so forth, is I just want to be able to tell them, okay, this is a grant, this is how much it's going to cost, this is is the personnel associated, this is what it's going to cost you going forward. Legislature, you can decide whether or not you feel that this is worthy or not. That's not my role. Okay? And when they vote on a budget, for example, they, they make decisions oftentimes that are political and not necessarily... Economical, feasible, right. You know, I'm presenting the facts. This is what it is. What they decide to do with it as as electeds is their choice. So to bring this back around to town supervisor, I've had a lot of experience looking at budgets. What I want to make sure of is that two and two is four, okay? That we know how much money is there. Then we can decide how how best to spend it. But what I often see is that you want to spend more than what you have or you have other priorities and somehow it's just not balanced. It sounds like you're an experienced numbers person, Mm -hmm. right? And then you have a long history of serving. In the retail politics sense, you know, people want just, you know, like a bumper sticker version. You know, they probably don't know, you know, five sentences about George Holman either. It's town supervisor. It, It could be an interesting race. Why don't we try to get into some of the particular issues if there was to be a debate, uh, what do you think um, you know, some of the big issues would be? And what's your, I guess, strategy or what's your priorities in order to, uh, you know, to convince the voter, hey, you know, uh, give me a try. I can do a better job. You know, you walk around and, and you talk to people. And, uh, you know, of course, taxes is always, you know, the big issue. People feel they, 
they pay too much in taxes, they don't want to pay any more in taxes. The fact of the matter is, right now in New York State, we have something that's called the tax cap, mm -hmm. which means that a municipality, whether it's a town or a county or a school district, can only increase taxes 2%. And if they want to break that cap, they have to do it by supermajority vote. Right. right, you have to have an override right. of 66% of, the, of correct. the electorate. You have right. to have a budget vote with an overwhelming right. majority. Right. right. Now, to, to put a little tweak to that, I believe Governor Cuomo wants to add something to that that says it's a 2% cap and you can't even vote to override it because, you know, he recognizes that, let's face it, in New York State we pay a lot of taxes. So that being said, if you if you are only increasing your tax taxes two percent, and and I and I and I would want to do that because obviously you you don't want to overtax anybody, but if you're looking at your expenses and they're going up three percent or they're going up four percent, now all of a sudden you have a gap. Now right. what do you do? Right. So I I would I would say that I'd like to bring my many years of fiscal analysis and looking at budgets to tackle that issue and tackle that problem. And we we're gonna there's no question. We're gonna have to take a hard look at, you know, what what the budget is, what and I I've been looking at the town budget specifically. I haven't had a chance to completely, you know, rip it apart and analyze it. I'm you know working on it a little bit at a time because right now we're focusing on um, signatures. But there's no question in my mind that something that there's gonna have to be some some real forward thinking going on if we're going to address that issue. The other, the other, I think the other big issue in Clarkstown is about, it has to do with overdevelopment and the utilization of the resources that we have. Now, um, back in, you know, number of years ago, I was one of the people who worked very hard to get the open space referendum passed in Clarkstown. Um, there were a group of people who came together and, and felt that we wanted to control the overdevelopment of Clarkstown. We wanted to make sure that we have adequate resources to serve the people who do live here and to grow in a smart and sustainable way. Can I jump in there? So, so give me an example of overdevelopment. Are you talking about like um, when they clear a whole bunch of woods and they make like a, one of those little uh, McMansion kind of like cul-de-sacs mm -hmm. and then like you know the the people are like down the hill all of a sudden they're getting flooded because the water's going a whole different absolutely. way absolutely and they didn't absolutely. do the proper environmental studies and Correct. it's like nobody's thinking about the ramifications exactly well exactly <laughs> i mean it goes back to you know we have a planning department in the town of clarkson but we also have a planning board um we have something called the zoning board of appeals i actually served on the zoning board of appeals for two years um number of years ago at the town level at the town level and um you know i'm going to tell you quite frankly 90 percent of what came before me i voted no i was probably the one no vote and uh kind of you know i was kind of like the pain in the ass like oh she's voting no again but but here's the thing you know you have a piece of property and it's zoned a certain way and you want to do something to your house and you want to now all of a sudden make it twice the size that it currently is and you need side yard and front yard and floor area ratio and all of the, uh, you know, you're appealing the zoning law. You're appealing what the law says you can do. 
And it's it the percentages are just out of control. And so my, this isn't just someone that wants to like build an addition. These are people that want to repurpose their property, right? Well, or well, are like I said, you know, there's or, I mean, no. I mean, there are people who you know they live in a house and now all of a sudden you know they want to make it much much bigger. Okay. Now, if you want to make it so much bigger that the percentages are out of whack, my attitude is, well, then just move to a bigger house. Right. And we need to, you know, because for a number of reasons, I, you just can't keep morphing everything so to make it bigger than it already is you you're changing the character of a neighborhood the other thing is is that you're you're depleting the housing stock for the people who are just starting out i mean there are plenty of young people just starting out who you know they need that small smarter home right. starter home and you know and i think in terms of our volunteer fire uh, responders and our volunteer ambulance responders you know if we had to pay for those services you know Forget it. Our taxes would be astronomical, much higher than they already are. But the fact is, is that we have to just we have to think overall. Like, what can we sustain as a town? You know, we have a certain amount of water. We have roads. We have schools. We have all these things. We have to have a plan. And I know that Clarkstown did update its master plan a number of years ago to try to look at the big picture. Like, what do we need? And you know, we're not going to say stop everything but we have to plan and we have to do it in a smart way so you know i know that walking around and talking to people you know there's an issue out there about overdevelopment and and to that i say yeah we need to have careful planning we need to adhere to our zoning codes because they're there for a reason Mm -hmm. all right and we have to just we have to think forward not just to two years from now when 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 someone's going to get have to run for office again and not even four years i'm talking 10 years i'm talking 20 years we have to think about the future i mean we're about we're, we're getting heading into 2020. Imagine that. I mean, we, I remember when it was the year 2000. We're now entering into 2020. But we have to think in terms of, you know, the next 10 years, the next 20 years. Are we going to be able to sustain right. the population that we have? Is are we going to be able to... Is the infrastructure right. there? Is, Absolutely. And, and, the, and is the rate of expansion Correct. realistic? Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah, I mean, I, my brother moved uh, to New City, um, you know, on a dead end with a farm uh, at the end of the dead end. And now it, there's, it's a road that goes right through. And I didn't take a drive through there in, in, in a couple of years, maybe. And there's a whole gigantic development there. I was I couldn't believe it. And then it goes, the road goes way all the way down the hill. And I was like, what happens to all the farm? What happens to all that, you know, uh, you know, environment, you know, wildlife, uh, you know, it's all right. gone. It's right. all gone. So, you know, and, and that's just in the last, you know, two decades. Right. Well, um, actually, I mean, to be quite honest, there really isn't a whole lot more that can be developed in Clarkstown. I mean, we're pretty much where we are. But the question is, we need to make sure that we can provide for what we have there now. And, you know, you know, you think that water is a never-ending uh, thing, and it's a resource, and it's not. I right. mean, it's finite. Um, you know, we have we have roads that have to be maintained, and the more the more traffic that rolls on those roads, it creates oh, the more roads are horrible wear right and now. T- well, of course, of course <laughs> they are now because we're in the in the coming out of the the winter. The but uh, no, I mean these are all things that we need to think about, and I just I just know just from what you read about climate change and what you read about you know what's what's happening. Uh, how are we going to address these issues in Clarkstown? Because they all come back 
to home to where we live. And, you know, I have to say, it always amazes me that a lot of people are are unaware of who their local uh, electeds are. Right. And I believe oftentimes it's people on the local level that are making decisions that are really affecting your day-to-day life right. more than or somebody your house where you live right, your right. neighborhood more yeah. than somebody you know sitting in Washington not to say that they're not important because they certainly are yeah but uh i think that over the years uh again you know going back to you know when we were fighting the mall expansion i think what happened at that time there was a period of time when people were getting more involved and people were getting involved in civic associations and they were paying more attention to what was going on. And I think they were making their local electeds more accountable. And I thought that was a good thing. Well, I thought it was a very good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I moved here in 2003 and I, you know, I saw the documentary about the mall and you know, I've been going there. I lived in Westchester before that, so I've been visiting the mall. It sounded like, you know, talking about overdevelopment, it sounded like a whole lot of corruption was going on. And Mm -hmm. it sounded like the local people had to come out of the woodwork. Like, you know, moms and, uh, you know, people had day jobs. (laughs) Yeah, like me, the moms. Yes, absolutely. So so this is kind of the origin story, right, of how, you know, how you get pulled in Mm -hmm. is because you need to stop somebody literally from picking your pocket, Right, they were going to they were going to build a mall, and then they uh, were going to build it three, you know, a third bigger than they had gotten permission for. Right, and they were just going to kind of sneak it by everybody. Yep. yep. And you know, and there was a couple of lawyers who got in trouble and everything, but it was all just like slaps on the wrist. And um, you know, and the elected officials who were there at that time, um, you know, they, you know, it's like it's like the Amazon deal, right? It's this great big pie in the sky project that you know you end you know, the, the the average person ends up getting fleeced by these mm-hmm. giant corporate yep. you know managers. And I know this was a Simon property, and as soon as it was built, they wanted to sell it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all you know, it's like a flipper, it's like a flipping, you know. Well, like, I mean, that's the whole point is that <laughs> is that the the mall developer they don't make money when they rent out stores. They make money because they take out a mortgage, they take out a construction loan to build something, and then they keep they keep taking out another mortgage, another mortgage. They keep refinancing, and they make money on the float, right. which is why after we went through that whole rigmarole of, you know, when we were fighting the expansion, so then they came back, and then they said they wanted to go into their attic. You remember um, you know, that was a number of years later. They said, oh, you know, you know, after we, we got them on the fact that they built that extra fourth floor illegally, it wasn't what they were originally mm-hmm. approved to do, they had the audacity to come back a couple of years later and say, oh, well, now we want to expand into our attic. I mean, it was such baloney. Well, and, and you know, the, I remember that campaign because I worked on that campaign. And we, I mean, we just took it to the streets. And this was literally, when you talk about grassroots, I mean, the mall had paid all kinds of lobbyists and they had all kinds of fancy lawyers and stuff going on. We we literally were making copies at Staples. You know, we were making copies of all the different headlines and of all the, as you said, all the corruption, all the stuff that was going on. And we literally went to like the soccer fields in Clarkson. Uh We were giving out the flyers and we were going everywhere and, and... that election, it was it was a referendum on the ballot. That election, and when you looked at every single election district, because Clarkstown is divided into about 80 election districts, 
We beat that mall two to one in every single election district. And mind you, it wasn't just the folks in West Nyack, because, of course, they were the ones who were really, like, on the forefront of that. Even the people as far as North New City were voting no on allowing them to expand into the fourth floor. And and so, you know, we did that. We defeated them on that. They weren't allowed to go into the fourth floor. But P.S., I think they started to do it anyway. And then what did they do? A couple of years later, they came back and they said, well, you know, you're charging us too much in taxes. You're charging us for all of this space that we built illegally, but we can't <laughs> use it. So now we want to lower our taxes. And, and the town... I mean, case in point, the town spent an awful lot of money fighting that lawsuit as well as the school district. And guess what? The school district lost money. The town lost money. And I mean, I'll never forget when, you know, way back many years ago when we were going to these town board meetings and we were speaking out against the expansion, there were people screaming, screaming from the audience and people who were supporting it. What are you stupid? Think of the tax rates. We're going to get all this additional money baloney because they fought their their tax assessments every time and they ended up paying less now i understand you know now here we are in 2019 they're coming back again they want and they want to open more retail on the fourth floor and you know what ladies and gentlemen retail is dead no one's going to retail stores anymore. And P.S., you're going to let them do that. It's going to be, they're, they're not going to pay any additional taxes on it because who knows if they're even going to be able to rent those stores once they get permission. But the point is, if they get permission to do that and they can start building it out, they can go and get another construction loan. They can go and make some more money on refinancing. That's why they want to do it. And they're going to leave the town high, high and dry again. And I mean, all you have to do is drive around whether it's Clarkstown or even the other towns, we got empty stores all over the place. And I, I really think that, uh, you know, we got to think about something else other than uh, more stores. I mean, we maybe yeah, we need to... Yeah, that mall is dead a lot well, of the Well, I, I just think that, you know, if we want to talk about increasing rateables, yeah, we definitely need to do that. But I don't, I don't believe, my opinion, I don't believe it's with more retail stores. I think we need to be doing something a lot more innovative and I have some some good ideas about that that I've been you know studying and flushing out that well my burning question you know for for this position because there there are some things that you can affect and some things that you mm-hmm. don't really affect at this at the town level but it seems to me that climate change something like energy efficiency mm-hmm. is you know there's a real possibility there mm-hmm. and I'm not just talking about home retrofits because Boy, is there a draft in my kitchen in the winter? I mean, I have to get an estimate, and we really got to do something about that. I'm sure we're just wasting, wasting. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some statistics on that. You know, an old system, or there's drafts, or, you know, or or you could upgrade it. You know, know, we are at the dawn of a whole new age where where we really have to, the climate science is telling us that we really have to transition away from fossil fuels Mm -hmm. a lot quicker than we thought. Right. And, you know, and so there's great opportunity there in in conservation, in savings, in just like refitting something, especially when it comes to town-owned properties, Mm -hmm. town-owned vehicles. Yep. You know, there was a great presentation uh, about two weeks ago, and uh, representatives came from Ulster County. And we're explaining what they did on the county level up there, their entire fleet and all of their buildings and this gigantic solar field that they built, the, the, the biggest, you know, they're the biggest solar producers on the county level of any county, that, and they won awards for that. And, they, and here they are trying to explain to other counties what they did, and they're just showing us these charts and graphs of these incredible efficiencies. And yes, it's a lot of money if you're laying out money for, like, you know, an electric 
plower, you know, or, or one of these big, you know, vehicles that the county has to buy. But on the other hand, you know, your, your consumables go way down and the expectancy of it, you know, goes way up. And it's, it's just a no-brainer because over time, you know, it just pays for itself. And I'm speaking as somebody that got solar. Uh, we got solar about seven years ago now. And our electric bills went from about 120 a month down to about 20 or $30 a month. I think we're right about the, the time, you know, the payback point, you know, now. But, you know, but, and a lot of people don't have the money to lay out. I understand that. But, you know, they also have these no-cost well, uh, to that point, I mean, to what I was saying earlier, I mean, I, I think that when you want to run for office and, and if you're just thinking about, okay, what am I going to do for the next two years until I have to run for office again and make whatever promises and think you're going to do that, that's not what I'm about. I want to lay out and start thinking about what are we doing in 10 years and 20 years. And to your point that a lot of those investments that you make in those types of things, they it's over time. But eventually, yeah, you're going to get the dividends from from making those changes. You know, I just I just came back from from Arizona uh, from Tempe, and I know that Arizona State University ASU um, they had a goal to become net zero energy, meaning they would produce whatever energy they used. Well, they've gone beyond that. Not only are they producing the energy that they use, but they're producing excess that they're now selling, selling elsewhere, grid, yeah. and now they're getting in all that additional revenue. Right. There are all kinds of amazing things that can be done. Um, you know, there's something called Sustainable Morristown, for example, um, over in New Jersey. They do so many innovative things, and I just feel that we could be doing that too in Clarkstown, and we're not. To your point earlier about supervisor, well, maybe if the supervisor, as the leader of the council and the leader of the town is putting forth more and more good ideas and, and forward-thinking ideas, he or she will have people who will who will follow them and want to do these things. And, and you know, and the other thing is... Other yeah, towns in to come Absolutely. Present. But the other thing is there's something called the New York PACE program whereby there are ways that you can finance things like you talked about retrofitting your house with solar or different, more efficient energy. There are, there are programs that, that you can, where you can have them come in and do a whole analysis of yeah. it for free, yes. okay, and they will help you and, and see how you can finance. There are ways to finance these things. Uh, right. Is it for everybody? No. I think the town should be setting the example. I think the town should wor- work towards being net zero energy and maybe even going in even, even further and producing more than it it. It has to use, and you know there are plenty of opportunities, and I, and, and I have some ideas of, of of how we can do that. And I, I want what I but what I'm still doing is just kind of flushing them all, all out before I actually present them because I want them to be well thought out. Mm-hmm. I don't want them yeah. just to be you know yeah you you launch it, scare you them. Launch but it when you're no, I mean I saw examples of sustainable energy in Tempe. Arizona. Yeah. I saw, well, there's a lot of sun in Arizona. <laughs> well, absolutely. Places in the southwest, I mean, the the climate change is really affecting them yeah. much quicker than it is here. They are, like, you want to talk about ground zero. I mean, you know, they're talking about, I mean, they have temperatures now, you know, they go up to 115. And even if it, if it were to go up another three more degrees... I mean, and you're talking about a lot of folks who live out there who don't have air conditioning or they have to commute to work long distances. They don't have their own cars. So, you know, they're doing all kinds of amazing things with their with their light rail service and with the, with providing shading and how they, you know, how they are developing uh 
properties, you know, to to address the heat index out there. Mm-hmm. Now, as I said, we don't have quite the same problem here. The, the whole concept of moving forward so that eventually we are in a place where we have adequate resources and adequate uh, technology in place to address those things before they become, before it's too late. So, so basically you're saying you're a green thinking uh, Oh, absolutely. Person. Yeah, I mean... No, um, I'm sold. I'm totally sold on the idea of sustainability. And also I think that it's also a way to boost the economy. I mean, if we're going to build, uh, you know, use new technology, whether it's solar or geothermal, you know, or if we're going to invest in, in new vehicles and so forth, that's going to put people to work. Yeah. I mean, and ultimately, that's what you want to do. You want to have an economy that's thriving, that's strong, and then, you know, yeah, everything I mean else falls into place. There, uh, there's enough first movers that we have data, and it's well worth doing. There's just, you know, a different kind of a timeline, mm-hmm. and most elected officials are only thinking about their term Right. right, and then their next re-election. Well, not all. I mean, I think that there's certainly well, I uh, there's most. certainly are people out there <laughs> who are thinking the big picture. I mean, AOC. I mean, not only is she, you know, she's a rock star, but I mean, she's talking about that Green New Deal, and right. and and a lot of you know. And I started reading. I read it, and I was reading it. Of course, you know, it's very long and. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's really not it's something but that it, she developed. It's something that she got behind, and she's using her right. notoriety right. to bring attention to. And it and it is getting a lot more serious attention. But it is, you know, it's not, it, it's certainly about climate change. It's certainly about sustainability. But it's also about driving the economy. If your economy is stronger, and now your infrastructure is stronger, everybody wins. I mean, I... It, and this is the same thing, but it's got, companies. because now we have the whole green part of it, because obviously now the challenges that we have today are different because it's really all about making sure that we keep up with and making our infrastructure strong. Right. And because... Back then we did maybe like the highway system and we were, right. were running like, you know, telephone wires. Now it's, you know, high-speed wires and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it, it might be, uh, you know, smarter transportation methods, mm-hmm. but it's the same idea. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the things that we need to do anyway to address greenhouse gases and to address pollution. Right. Right. We might as well make industry out of it. We might as well make... You know, well, um, what could be better? Small businesses. Uh, the presentation that w- that we heard about making solar carports over every parking lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how many parking lots there are in Rockland oh, County. Oh yeah, yeah. And and they could all just be plug in plug in places, or they could be feeding energy back to the grid. Yep. So um, absolutely, yeah. there's a lot of opportunity for that. I think that Clarkstown has done some of that. I mean, you know, listen, we have to you know, give some credit and just say, you know, there is, we do have a solar field that in, in West Nyack. Right, but, and, I, and I asked you know, George... I just think I, we need to do more of that. I asked George Homan about that. The one time I ever met him, it was at the uh, JCC. I asked him a couple questions about that, and it it turns out that we don't own that. I think we got one of those lease deals. Because mm-hmm. when, when I was presented the solar options for my house, you can buy it outright, mm-hmm. where you own it and you just ride it into the ground. You know, you pay a lot more. 
or you you could lease the equipment for like 25 years at which point you know so there's some fees involved with that but um all of you know for that period of time all of the energy that you're creating goes right towards your electric bill right, right? so it's a great benefit or they have these like no money options for people that don't have the money to lay out and they just put the solar up on your roof they take your uh, current average electric bill and they knock off 20% and then they lock you in for 25 years. Mm-hmm. But they own the panels and they're making they're making out on the deal. Right. It sounds like when we put up this solar field in like a marsh or something, we got the no money down option, uh, you know, which is probably easier you know, right. to, to get going. But on the other hand, you know, the benefits are, are lesser and shorter term or maybe finite. So, you know, I, I kind of bookmarked that in my mind. Like I wanted to, I wanted to find out the rest because George Holman couldn't even answer my questions. You know, I, I wanted to know the nuts and bolts on the, on how much we were making, uh, right. on how that's much. That's actually one of the questions that I had. Yeah, and, my question and, was. And, and no, that's exactly one of the questions I had. And, you know, it's interesting. How much is the utility like, making right. off And, that? you know, and the more I look at the clock sound budget i have a ton of questions and i actually um presented them to one of the council people and he said yeah you know these are really good questions and he actually submitted a lot of these questions to the current controller mm-hmm. of the town and he was told oh no i can't give you that information i mean i can't well, the, the information is not final yet we still haven't done an <laughs> audit and i'm like excuse me i'm not asking about the audit uh you know that's like the after effect right, the contract I mean, I, right and <laughs> it's really very interesting so yeah we have a lot of questions yeah. and uh I in all fairness there may be some answers to these questions we just haven't gotten them yet yeah i mean i wouldn't fault uh him for for the deal no. in any way no no because no, 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 just no. being a first mover is great absolutely you know and so it's not about like the uh, like a gotcha or you could have no, done no, this no 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 not at all but, i just i just want to know but, more about it no, because but when we do the next solar field or right. and the next one and this one and and my question is why don't we have them all over the place right. you know for the long long term because right. in you know 30 years from now people are like oh my god thank god they did this we've been getting free clean energy right and, absolutely and, well, uh, yeah. and it's kind of like when you think about you know how many years ago did someone decide okay you know we have the palisades park you know we have you know somebody had the wherewithal to say hey we're going to preserve this beautiful land in this park or even even the park system you know you think of the new york state park system or i think about the new york city department of parks you know somebody had the wherewithal to say hey we're going to save this piece of land or this section we're not going to develop it we're not and it's going to be preserved for for generations to enjoy think of our our national parks i mean we have in fact i had an opportunity i was just in tonto national monument two weeks ago I mean, you know, the fact that we someone had the wherewithal to say, hey, we need to set aside and, and conserve and preserve these parks. And we do that on a national level. We do it on a state level. We do it on a county level. We do it on a town level. Yeah, I so mean, fun. I, you know, I'm at Rockland Lake uh, State Park every Saturday. That's where I go to run. Um, it, it's amazing. And the fact that you know, it's that thinking ahead of like, okay, let's think about the generations ahead of us that are come. We're going to come well after us. What we do today is going to is going to be for them. Right. And that's I mean, that's what I. Uh, that's the beauty of living yep. up in the suburbs, and there's yep. trees and everything. I was in Queens the other day, walking for blocks and blocks and blocks. You know, and there's like trees on the sidewalk, but no yards. You know, all these houses are just packed together and. 
I was just saying, well, thank God I live where there's fresh air and, you know, there's deer and all that, you know, so. Yeah, actually, um, I had a fox ran, ran across the road on my way here. Well, that's a good sign. That's <laughs> a good sign. I like to see different, uh, you know, yep. creatures. Yep. Um, anyway, we are out of time. So hopefully this gives uh, people a really good idea of who Nicole is. That's Nicole Doliner, and she's running for Clarkstown Town Supervisor. Um, we're going to try to continue to have a couple more candidates on in the next couple of weeks, and hopefully these things will be just sitting there on uh, the internet so people can Google it when election time comes and listen and learn and uh, find out all about the uh, find out all about the people that we're going to be voting on. So we're going to be continuing that, and then we will get back to the education stuff next week. Um, I do have a bunch of clips to play, including AOC and a couple of uh, state senators, so stay tuned for that. And for New York Update, this is Jake Jacobs. The archives will be online, and you can catch us anytime at nyupdate.org. It's not just radio, it's Rockland World Radio. RocklandWorldRadio.com